Okay, got it. Ready? <clears throat> You're listening to Paul Elmore. Paul Elmore. <laughs> Unlimited is about what? Is this getting familiar? I want you to be able to say, man, summer two, 2017, this got just emblazed into my brain and I can't forget it even if I want to. Okay? Uh, overcoming limiting beliefs. By the end of this series, you will no longer be limited by the toxic stories you've been telling yourself, and you'll know exactly how to do the thing that's been scaring the crap out of you. We've been watching people do that. It's fun to watch. Some of you might have been waiting until maybe tonight's the night I can do that. Maybe tonight's I can try something, and we can see if we can find a guide. So how do we do that? You find a guide, right? Once you find a guide, you do what they say. This isn't complex. Over and over and over again, even when it gets hard. That's the new one. Doing it over and over and over again, even when it gets hard. So here's the thing we're going to be talking about tonight, because this is an important question. What do we do with hard? How do we handle struggling and suffering? What does the world tell us we should do when we encounter or bump up against something that is hard, that's something we don't like? What are the messages we hear throughout media, throughout friends, throughout just in general? Anyone have an idea? What's the scripts, the message, the stories we are told? Ready to catch? Catch. There's something wrong. You're doing something wrong, and you should stop it as soon as possible. And you should know what it is. Yes. Yes. Right, Panja. You get the microphone. Not trying hard enough. You're not trying hard enough. Absolutely. Yes. You should, you should try harder. Thank you. Get out as soon as possible. Just don't be in proximity to it. Yes. Anyone else? What else do we hear? Ready? Catch. Here we go. Perfect. Good catch. Between the eyes. There you go. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Who do you think you are? Why even try? So instead, do what? Give up. Give up. Yeah. Here you go, Hannah. Yes, if you're uncomfortable here, go find something else that feels better. Those messages are prevalent, prominent. Now, what's really, really interesting is none of you said, put up with it. How did that make you feel? So you're going through something hard, struggling through something, something you don't like, something that makes you unhappy, and you should put up with it. I'm going to choose a different word, though, because that word, now I'll choose the word that Scripture uses, okay? Tonight, we're going to look at Romans. I've been going through Romans lately, and it has some pretty interesting stuff. 
Not only that, we're going to come back to that first phrase here, but we rejoice in our suffering. Man, I didn't hear any of you say that. When you're struggling, when you're hurting, when it's hard, woohoo! yeah, I'm going to rejoice. Hey, everyone on Facebook, guess what? I'm the lucky guy. I am suffering. Neener, 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 neener. Neener, none of you are. We don't see those posts. We rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is so good, we have to break it down a little bit. So, first step is suffering produces endurance. Anyone, um, when you look at that, when you think about that, it doesn't say suffering produces comfort. It doesn't say get out of suffering. It doesn't say avoid suffering. It says suffering produces endurance. I, again, I took some time to figure out, let's define these, some of these things. So what does endurance mean? It's actually a noun. It's the fact or power of enduring an un, and, and, this will say and, unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. It says you keep coming back. That is endurance. So I even went further of endurance must mean you know how to endure. What does endure mean? It's a verb, which means to suffer something painful or difficult patiently. Oh, crap. That's when we hit hard times, when we struggle, when we are not comfortable in something, if we're going to endure, we are going to do something, we're going to suffer something painful or difficult patiently. Now, why would we do this? When we think about it in this context with stories, our emotional story, uh, history that brought us here, we go, that sounds, Paul, I'm not sure if I want to sign up for this. You don't know the guy I'm married to. You don't know the boss I have. You don't know the parents I have. You don't know the living situation I'm in. You don't know the financial situation. You don't know, you don't know. And you're right. I don't know your stories. I don't. But there are some people who actually choose to spend their time for fun learning how to endure better. They do endurance races. I don't understand these people quite yet. My wife's cousin, his name is Raymond, Ray, cousin Ray. And um, for fun, he does these things called Tough Mudders. Anyone heard of a Tough Mudder? Anyone run a Tough Mudder? No mudders in here, huh? This is what a mudder is, okay? Just for those who are curious. He does this on purpose, just so you know. If you want to see this video, just go to paulelmore.com, uh, go to podcasts and search for Unlimited Week 6 and you'll be able to watch this video. How would you feel running across that, that finish line and getting a headband? That's all you get, a headband. You can go to Dick's Sporting Goods and for $4.99. Why do these goofy people do this? Why do people do this? Why do people want to develop this endurance for their physical bodies? What do they get out of it? Say again? 
Adventure? Absolutely. Absolutely. What else? Exhilaration. Exhilaration? Absolutely. Someone else over here? Sense of accomplishment? I've bettered myself? Yeah. Yeah. Inner strength. Huge. Now, if you want to notice something about this whole video here. Yes, Steve, go ahead. There you go. You landed on it. This group bonding. None of them did it by themselves. I'm not so sure you can do it by yourself. You have to have a guide, someone who says, I'm going to help you get to the next level. Now, sometimes that's someone on your team. Sometimes that's someone you don't even know. I actually watched another video on this, and it was a, um, uh, a young man who has cerebral palsy, and he was running it with his dad. And that half pipe that, half pipe that went up there, which is huge, he would crawl up that as much as he could, and he'd slide back down, and he couldn't grab the grip. And I mean, it's one of those ones that choke you up really, really good because all these people come around it and they get him up there. He pulls himself up there. It's like, yes, I want to be part of that moment. This is what spurs us on to get better. And when it's in a physical realm, we go, sign us up. I'm going to spend money. I'm going to go to a gym. I'm going to train. And I'm going to get better at it. But then when it comes to internal things, when it comes to our stories, when it comes to the limiting beliefs that we have, something gets dropped. Something shifts. We miss something, don't we? We don't come, well, I take that back. Refuge is probably one of those places where you can show up and you can go, here's my story and here's how it's limiting me and here's how I don't want to have this limit me anymore. I need help. Someone like Ben, someone like Chelsea, someone like the leaders here will go, connect with this person. They're going to help you walk through it because we watch them. They've gone through it the last two years and they're doing great. They're going to pull you along here. So if you guys are wondering for a, a unashamed commercial here, Refuge is designed to do that for you, to get you up over that emotional wall. But you cannot, you cannot, you cannot do it on your own. That's why we talk about finding a guide. So if suffering produces endurance, if emotional suffering produces emotional endurance, why don't we sign up for that? Why don't we go... Yes, I'm thankful that right now I'm struggling in my marriage or I'm struggling with my boss or I'm struggling with my housing or my roommate or whatever, whatever, whatever. Why don't we do that? Why, what gets in the way of us jumping to that place quickly? Why do we want comfort more than endurance emotionally? Here you go. Yes. We can't see the headband at the end. That's a great phrase right there. We need an emotional headband. What would that look like? Huh. It also involves um, Oh, say more about that, please. I don't want to. <laughs> You're probably the only one in the room, by the way. Everyone else is OK talking about this. <laughs> Why don't we want to? Yeah, so we keep running up that wall and sliding down, running up that wall and sliding down. 
or getting stuck. Those little cables at the end were electrical shocks. Again, they do this on purpose. My wife's cousin is a big guy. He's, he's just a hair shorter than me, but he's probably got 25 pounds on me. Big, tough guy. And he hit one of those electrical cords, knocked him on his butt. The next guy behind him ran and kicked him in the head. He stood up and got zapped again and knocked him out again. Yay, this is fun. I get a headband. <laughs> Bless his heart. I don't know why. Yeah. Yes. 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 They're not going to believe me. Yes. That's huge. Man, all these things get in the way. Someone else had hands up over here somewhere. There you go. Well, there's great uncertainty whether God is actually in Thank you for being that honest and that transparent. What do we do with that doubt? What do we do with that struggle? That's a hard question, isn't it? It's a very hard question. Trust comes oftentimes through experience. We can see that he's worked in small ways. We can trust him with bigger and bigger and bigger ways. That's a hard one. I appreciate your honesty here tonight. So, We know that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. What in the world does that mean? How does endurance produce character? Definition of character is a person's good reputation. I want to make sure I am of good character. I don't think we usually pick bad guys and we say, he's got good character. When someone has good character, it means that they are intrinsically uh, the striving to better themselves and to operate with the best interest of those around them. If we expand this out, someone who can handle difficult or unpleasant situations without giving way while having a good attitude. You ever seen those guys? It's like, man, you are, your world is difficult and hard right now. Why aren't you curled up in a fetal position and, and running away or shutting down. I know some people like this. I know some people who, who would like to give up and quit, and they will not because they are continuing to handle difficult or unpleasant situations without giving way and while having a good attitude. Now, one of the things there is I'd like to talk about being congruent. When you try to eat healthy, my weakness is chocolate. I fully admit it, chocolate is um, a moral issue for me. Meaning, if I don't have it, I feel sinful. Um, if I'm trying to eat healthy and I walk in and there's a chocolate cake on the counter, I'm not gonna be able to tell myself, Paul, you don't like chocolate cake. You really don't like chocolate cake. You never like chocolate cake. It's never gonna work. I don't believe it. So instead, I'm going to walk in and go, Paul, you love chocolate cake, and you really want a bite of that chocolate cake. And there's actually a slice waiting there. Chocolate cake, by the way, day-old chocolate cake is better. So when you make a cake, you have to slice a piece out, eat it the day you, you make it. 
but that's not the good piece. The good piece comes is the second piece the next day because the air has had time to permeate and it's just super good. And then with vanilla ice cream next to it, it is as close to heaven on earth as you can find. I love chocolate cake. And yet I'd have to walk in and go, I admit I'm not allowed to have chocolate cake right now and I would like to have some, but I choose not to have it. I'm gonna endure suffering and handle, handle difficult situations or unpleasant situations, and I'm gonna to choose to have a good attitude about it. That is character. That's character. Endurance produces character. So now, if you are this person, I am struggling with something, again, my marriage, my work, my roommates, my financial situation, my family, my history, my story, I admit that that is difficult. I am not glossing over it. I am not saying my feelings don't matter. Your feelings always matter, okay? But I'm not gonna do what the world says, which is, that's it, I'm done, I'm out of here, I'm not gonna bail out, okay? It means I'm going to continue to endure. I'm going to let this change me. There it is. I'm going to let this change me. A lot of people go, I don't want to. I don't want to. But it's supposed to. It's supposed to change you. It's supposed to build character and endurance. And when you do that, when you're that kind of person right there, oops, character, come back. Character produces hope. Isn't that interesting? Again, how scripture takes us through that progression. How? How does that produce hope? What does that look like? How does a person with good character who's saying, I can endure, I'm not running away from something, I'm struggling through this, I'm going to do it with a good attitude, and now I have hope? Huh? Most people will go, now you're miserable. You should just get away and, 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 be, and, and be comfortable. That's kind of the, the, the epitome of, of where we try to be at right now, is we try to get comfortable, and yet... We are allowed to grow in this. I'll get to your question in just a second, Nikki, okay? Um, what does it look like, though? The best scene I could think of was from this movie. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this movie, this is near the end. So if you plan on seeing it, just spoiler alert. Um, but this is near the end of the movie here. Once again, we've edited this out of the podcast right. uh, just for time's sake. But if you want to see this video, you can go to paulelmore.com. Uh, go to podcast and search for Unlimited Week 6, and you'll be able to watch this scene from Lord of the Rings. That's what hope looks like. That's what hope looks like. Now you're going, what in the, that's hope? That's slaughter. Are you kidding me? Paul, you're nuts. That's hope. His resolve is there. He's ready to strike. And then the script plays. We don't know what was being said by the eye on the tower there, but it was challenging him. His sword drops. You can see him quaver just a little bit. He walks forward, and then he turns back, and everyone takes that gasp. Is he now taking over? Is he going to stick with his resolve? And he goes, whispers it again, for Frodo. 
picks up his sword, and he runs headlong into it. In the midst of struggle and trial and suffering, he says, I am not going to pursue comfort. I have a greater goal that I am fighting for, and even if it means I am going to run to my death, and I'm pretty certain that he imagined he was not going to live. He said, I have more to live for than just this battle and this life and this world right here. So of course he has hope. Of course he's able to do that. Again, I don't think that he expects to live here. His life is worth more in the grand scheme of the picture. Remember what he was trying to do? What was the reason they went there on a suicide mission? Remember what they were trying to do, for those who have seen the movie? Destroy it? Distraction. Distraction. Because who was really doing the battle? Two little hobbits up on the mountain. I had to edit out the part that says, I can't carry it for you, Mr. Frodo, but I can carry you. <laughs> Sam Wise is my favorite guy. He's the best. I know you got to do it by yourself, and I'm coming with you. <sighs> All the good lines. Um, I, actually believe, I actually believe that if we go back into Scripture, we can see this exact story play out in real life. I think there were three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who said, I will not bow down. I will not give in. And by doing that, taking that stand, they knew they were going to die. They didn't know. We see the end of the story. We see the second half of it. We know that they made it. But before that, the king was so mad at them, heated the furnace seven times hotter. The guys who threw them in were consumed by the fire. They were prepared to die because they knew there was a greater thing than them. That is what gives us hope. That is character. And that's why we can endure difficult times, physically or emotionally. That is why we can do it. If we go to scripture again, 2 Corinthians so we do not lose heart. I love this phrase. So we do not lose heart. We don't quaver. That's Aragorn right there. I got the sword. Let's go. I'm not, I'm not losing heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, that's another phrase for saying, I'm dying. I'm uncomfortable. I'm hurt. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction. Interesting wording. I don't know if Aragorn would say this is a light momentary affliction. 13 months, that's how long they were on their quest. I don't know if we would say 10 years of a difficult marriage, two years of a difficult roommate, five years of a difficult job. This light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. If we go to 1 Peter again, that, that reward that is unfading, waiting in heaven for us. That's what is, that is what keeps us going. That weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. We don't turn to the things that are seen to help us. We don't turn to things that make us feel good to make us feel good because they only last temporarily. This is why ask anyone who struggles with addiction. It works, but momentarily and it doesn't last, and you have to do something that gives you a little bit more intensive a kick over and over, and you get now stuck in that. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. 
That's why you can run into a horde of orcs. That's why you can graciously serve your spouse that you're struggling with. That's why you can serve a boss who is unfair or unpleasant. This is why we can relate to neighbors who are unkind. This is why, this is why, this is why, this is why, this is why. There's more to the story than just what we see or feel or experience. And we get lost, we get blinded, we forget that reality and that truth. We just look around and go, this is a whole bunch of orcs, this is reality, this is all there is. I'm out of here. Give me the first horse. I'm, I'm, I'm running away. There's a, greater, there's a greater goal. There's a greater goal. So, we've been going through this process so far. Again, suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character leads to hope. And hope does not put to shame. Isn't that, again, fascinating phrase there? Hope. When we have hope, we, we are not put to shame. I don't think Aragorn, if he died in that battle, would say, eh, I feel ashamed of what I've done. Well, if he's going out, he's going out big. He's going to make his sacrifice last. Be memorable. Be impactful. It's not shameful. Now, the reality is, many of you have unnecessarily been put to shame. Experiences you've been through, messages you've heard, experiences you've had, you feel that shame, that who I am is flawed, what I've done makes me a bad person, and I can't be changed, I can't redeem that. We have to hide it. We don't want anyone else to see it. We have to do it by ourselves. Shame is what keeps us isolated rather than saying, I know I can't do the tough mutter. I need to have help. I'm going to sign up with a group of people and you've got to help me over the wall. I, can't, I can do this and this and this. I can't do that and that and that. Shame is what keeps us hidden. And yet hope gives us, is something that we are not ashamed of. The reality is the people who formed opinions of you probably thought less of you than you actually were worth. I'm going to say that again. Their opinions. Remember those four squares I drew up there? The opinions that lead to truth, which lead to conviction. Those opinions, they probably believed you to be less valuable than you actually were. And you have to sometimes get the attitude of Aragorn there where it says, and I'll use these phrases very intentionally, but damn it, I will not reinforce this story anymore. I'm going to fight it. That story needs to be damned. That's what that phrase means. It means it needs to be pushed so far away from me into hell, I don't want anything to do with it. I am going to fight that story. And it is going to be hard. You're going to have exhaustion. You're going to have scars. You're going to have battle wounds. But you have to fight it. When I was preparing these notes, I thought of Todd right over here, who was willing to come up here and say, here's what this message is that this teacher gave me, and I will not let it continue to rule my life. And I'm going to fight it, and I'm going to fight it, and I'm going to fight it day in, day out, every day, as much as I can. It's inspiring. It's, it's, it's inspiring. 
Here's the reality as well, and this is kind of frustrating. When you take a stand like that and you happen to be in proximity to people who have those limiting beliefs about you, guess what they're gonna say about you? You're bad, you're sinful, you're wrong. How dare you? How dare you disrupt the family? How dare you disrupt, disrupt the system? Why would you do that? You're the one who's making all the problems. When you try to counter those stories, when you try to challenge those messages, you're going to hear that again and again. Aragorn, I mean, it's an epic movie, but it's, it's, it summarizes our, our story, our lives. He got challenged over and over. Maybe we should just take the ring. Maybe we should just give it to someone else. Maybe we should use the ring of power for ourselves. Boromir gave into it. There's going to be all sorts of challenges trying to make this happen. But you actually have to fight. You have to have the mentality. You have to have the mindset that says, I will be wrong in your eyes because your opinion already is flawed of me. And I'm going to find people who have a better opinion of me. I'm going to embrace those. And I'm going to run headlong into a struggle. I'm going to fight it. How? How do we do all this? Again, I'm always a, I'm a how guy. I like, I like to know how do we do this? How are we able to do this? Remember at the beginning of that passage, I said we're going to come back to it. This is why, this is why it's important. Okay? Not only that, not only that, those three words at the beginning of that phrase, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, blah, 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 blah. Not only that. That says, oh, there's something before that. What is before that? Here's what before that. Because God's, this is actually after it, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love has been poured into our hearts, not other people's. A supernatural power, a supernatural experience has been poured into us, and the Holy Spirit runs this out with us. If we go back to Romans 1, the beginning of this passage, by entering through faith, into what God has always wanted to do for us, which is he wants to set us right with him and he wants us to make us fit for him. That's what he wants. He wants to be in relationship with us. We have it all together with God because our master, Jesus. That's the beginning of the story. Because God has made us right, and we do that, you, you ask the question, how do we do that if we know, don't know if God's actually going to be good, if he's actually going to follow through? By entering through faith. Faith is believing in things not seen. Hebrews. Sometimes we have to take things on faith. If you want to see what that looks like, that's the movie of Lord of the Rings. They were doing all sorts of stuff, believing this is going to happen without seeing any of it. But by faith, we entered into God, into what God always wanted for us which is he wants to set us right with him and to make us fit for him. And when he does that, he's poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we can endure pain. Back to that we are already rich thing. So if someone steals, all, steals our wallet, fantastic. Obviously you need something. Let me write you a check for $1,000. I can do more to you even though you've done me wrong. That is how. That's the only way. Now, I am not saying enduring suffering and struggle and pain is easy. I'm not saying it's going to hurt less. I haven't figured that out yet. If God, if you want me to struggle, why? Why don't you make a way for this not to hurt? But it does hurt. But our pain is temporary. 
and it shapes us and it creates endurance and character and hope and growth and change. Do you want to be changed? That was the very first question I asked the very first night. Do you actually want to change? Do you want to be different? This is the recipe. Find a guide, do what they say over and over, even when it's hard. All right. Take a deep breath. How many of you want to go home and watch Lord of the Rings now? See the beginning half of it. It's a good flick. It's, it's an epic. It's epic. Um, thoughts or questions about any of that? Any, any of you have questions about what you want to connect that to maybe in your own story? Be glad to work that out with you. And then I'm going to answer a couple other questions that I've received in the meantime. Here you go. Oops, good catch. And then we're going to hear from the people. Um, for, uh, like, when you've been put to shame, say unnecessarily, and it happens over and over again in a community or family setting, yeah. Like, and you put up boundaries, but the boundaries are kind of bulldozed. It's always been a struggle to know in the moment or even afterwards what could I have done differently, or yeah. um, how to stand up to that, I guess, bully, I guess is the yeah. best word. Um, and yeah, and how do you continue to do that when they don't seem to get, get the picture? When they don't get the message, yeah. when they don't listen. Yeah. That is a hard one. Um, and like, you know, it's your dad or something. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. For relationship to work, you have to have two. The healthiest people tend to have the healthiest relationships. If one person is unhealthy, you are still called to relate to him in a healthy way. It does not give you permission to retaliate or respond in an unhealthy way. Sometimes a healthy way is to say, Here's the boundary. You continue to encroach across that. You continue to do something that's hurtful towards me. I'm giving you a chance to fix it. If you choose not to fix it, then I have to step away. That's the only realistic way to keep yourself in a healthy place, to keep the relationship in a healthy place, and not to continue to reinforce or contribute to something that is both dangerous for yourself and for him. And so... That's not running away from something. That's different than I'm just not happy and I just want to go find someone else who makes me happy. That's not what we're talking about here. It is I desire a relationship with you because you're my father, because it's all these things, but it's actually wiser for me to not do that. And so you actually lose out on that relationship because you've had to put those, those boundaries in place. That's oftentimes the only viable solution when someone will not honor what you request of them. Which is disappointing, isn't it? Yeah. And when you do that, I've sat with more people than I can count who are now the black sheep, the bad guy, 
the person who's wrong in the family. They're the one who's creating all the problems because they have stepped out. Oftentimes, so you get clarity around that, it's usually best to put another pair of eyeballs on it. This is where, again, a guide, a community comes around you, and you can say, here's the story, here's the situation, here's what I'm doing. Number one, does it line up with Scripture? Am I doing everything that's right according to the ultimate truth? Um, number two, is there anything else I could do if I've exhausted all my, my op- options here? Then this is the only viable solution again. Then you are making that decision not unilaterally and not reactively. It's actually very intentional. It's very proactive. It's very thought out. And you have a support system around you to do that in some way. Does that make sense? Yeah, big throw. Good job. So oftentimes, um, so you were talking about how when you, um, I just closed my notebook and I was looking at it. Um, Oftentimes you come across obstacles and you realize that you don't know what it is that you're butting up against. Yes. That limiting belief that, I'm supposed to know what it is. Yes. So if you can't identify or are struggling to identify what it is you need help with, yes. how do you figure out what the right questions are and how to approach a Great guide question. and who the right person is to ask for help from? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Um, there's a couple options on that one. Um, oftentimes we are looking for some sort of label some sort of definition, some sort of diagnosis, some sort of word that explains what we're going through with the belief that if we have this word, now we know what to do. That's really frustrating because um, there's probably many people in the room here who have given a very specific diagnosis and the treatment is there is no treatment. We don't know what to do about it. And now it is pain management. Now it is, you just have to learn how to endure it. Um, and so we keep going back to the, yes, but there should be something I can get out. How do I get out of this pain? How do I get out of this situation? This is where our topic tonight comes in exactly because there are some things that we literally cannot escape. And the only option is learning how to endure it, letting that shape our character. When that builds strength in us, it gives us hope. And we find that strength because we know there's more to life than just this one thing. Again, I I used the example before, but the recurring back thing that, that I got, I've been to so many doctors and none of them will give me a name or what to do about it. I can still wake up every morning and go, I'll validate my feelings and clearly say, my back hurts, I can do this amount and I can't do this amount. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor my feelings, my physical feelings around this. And, and even if I don't have a name or a treatment program for it, this is a reality of my life and I'll, I'll let it be there right now for this season of my life. And so I wake up going, okay, there's one more day that I'm going to be in pain and I can't escape it. Lord, how in the world can I have my sore back bring you glory today? That's a weird question, isn't it? 
Again, most of us go, I still, I got to find the diagnosis. I got to find the reason. I got to find the answer. I got to find the cause. Uh, we love causality. Causality scratches that thing in our brain, which goes, oh, I'm experiencing this because of this happened. We love A plus B equals C. And in a world that we live in, that there isn't those simple answers, sometimes A plus B equals a bushel of potatoes. And it's like, what? How, how, why? How come? That doesn't make any sense. But it is what it is. So when you can't find it, what if you adopted a different strategy that says, I've done, I've been responsible. I've done everything that I should do that is reasonable. I've talked to professionals. I've asked those around me who know me. I have done introspection within myself. I've done my own analysis. And I have done enough which now says, I don't, I'm not going to waste any more time trying to get a name for it. Now, I'm simply going to say, this is part of my story. God, how can you use this to glorify you, and how can you use this to shape me? Will you do that? Again, you don't see those posts on Facebook, do you? <laughs> Give up. Settle. Again, that's not what I'm saying here, even though it can sound that way. Instead, it is, this is here for a reason, but I don't know why. Surrender. Surrender. That's a fantastic word. Because sometimes, I actually, I actually sometimes say that um, I'm going to get all the answers to all the questions I have about three minutes after I'm dead. And that's not going to be much longer in the grand scheme of, you know, the universe right here. I can wait a few more minutes to get all the answers. In the meantime, I'm going to do whatever I can right now in this moment. And I'm not going to waste any more time trying to figure it out. Now, again, that is after you've been responsible and you've done the, the practical things that is demonstrating enough competency. That's not saying, yeah, just go with it and ignore it. That's like going, hey, I got that weird lump on my arm. I don't know what that is, but it'll be okay. For those of us who don't like going to doctors very much. Okay, eh, it'll go away. And then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and you find out it's, you know, a tumor of some sort. You gotta be reasonable. You have to you have to do your due due diligence to make sure you get healthy in some way. Yeah. Go for it. Okay, so to clarify what I mean, it's more of an emotional state. Okay. So it's more of a so if I'm Aragorn okay. and I have so much energy to run in the right direction and endure, yeah. I just can't see the enemy. And I don't know which direction to run. Go. Good analogy. It's like, what if you can't see the enemy? You don't even know what it is. It's not that I have physical pain. It's that it springs up every now and again. Yeah. I swing a sword and then it disappears. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's there. I know it's there. Yeah. But I can't get my finger on it. Yeah. What would happen if you didn't swing the sword? Well, how would that make you feel? Good counselor question. How does that make you feel? How does that make anyone else in the room feel? Does, it, does her analogy make sense? I've got this energy, I want to direct it towards somewhere, and I don't have an enemy to, to put it towards. That's frustrating. That can, be, that can be frustrating. So the question is, is that wise to swing the sword? Is it wise to sit and rest? Is it wise to say, I'll let that energy be there? Is it wise to say, why is that energy there in the first place? Because if there's no enemy, 
but I perceive myself to be in danger. Now you're being triggered in some way that shouldn't be there. And again, I know it's metaphorical. I know it's not an actual danger kind of feeling, but... Um, <laughs> Over your head. It's a lob. Okay, infield fly. For me, there's not one particular thing. It's like life is actually pretty good right now. Yeah. And that is sometimes when I start to worry. It helps when I have that thing that I'm focused on. Isn't that interesting? Why do you think that is? Because that's the way the world works. It throws one thing after another at you. That's actually a very common limiting belief. When chaos has become the norm, <laughs> then when things actually get healthy or settle down, it feels wrong or bad in some way. And so you have to do something to stir up chaos. So you go max out your credit cards, or you get into a relationship, or you quit your job, or you do something so you can get back to that, oh, okay, there's the chaos, and that's familiar, and there's that itch, I, and I, I know what to do with that. We actually self-sabotage in some ways. So you have to understand, number one, am I self-sabotaging? Is chaos the norm, and is that why I continue to pursue that? Therefore, I need to practice someone, I need to find a guide who's really good at being happy and go, you're happy and you don't have any chaos going on in your life right now and you're okay with that? How do you do that? I'm coming over to your house for dinner. Teach me that. That's actually a really hard thing to do sometimes for some people is to say, sit and rest and don't do a thing. If I'm not doing something that I'm not valuable, I'm not worth it, I am not whatever yeah right in front of you and then Nikki I know you got a question right back to you okay just kind of been following up with exactly what you're talking about just feeling like that comfortable pain yeah that's what it feels like it feels like a comfortable pain and and I I find myself going for that comfortable pain because I'm used to it and when things start to get a little bit better I always am fearful of I feel like it's just bubbling under the surface. When yeah. really I'm just lying to myself. It's a lie that I'm choosing to believe. Yeah. But how do you refuse to live in that, that story? How do you refuse to live in that fear or accept that fear and realize that it is a lie and choose something different? Yeah. Um, oftentimes that's motivated by what's called a scarcity mentality. If I have something good, then I'm going to lose it, and I have to desperately hold on to it, but I'm afraid that I'm gonna lose it, so I might as well just lose it now and get that over with. Oh, whew, okay, that's better. Now I can relax, because I'm not, the bad news is over. One of, the, one of the most helpful skill sets that I would love to teach my clients, that I would love to refine in my life, is how to be okay with letting things move into and out of my life the good and the bad. If we're in a good season going, I'm in a good season right now and I feel good about this. I'm allowed to feel good. I'm gonna enjoy this good time. And I know that it's not gonna last forever. I don't demand that it lasts forever, but I don't have to make it end sooner to get over the disappointment. I already expect to be disappointed. And again, in a healthy, appropriate, mature, kind of living in the moment kind of way. And I can let that move out of my life so that now when the next season of struggle comes. <clears throat> Again, I've been talking about this stupid motorcycle that I've been working on, and I enjoy riding it. <clears throat> my 
<clears throat> excuse me, my 18-year-old uh, son rides it as well. And there is a feeling that hits a father's heart when you watch an 18-year-old who doesn't have a lot of experience on a motorcycle get on a 650cc Yamaha and ride off into traffic. My heart goes, I want to follow him in the car. Um, we have this app on our phone called Glyph. It's actually a mapping thing so that when I leave my office, I can turn it on, send it to my wife. She can track me so she knows where I'm dead on the road. If it stops, the dot stops moving. I come home. She goes, nice to see you home. We don't have that for my son. I have to, have the, I have to get over the scarcity mentality of I've got to hold on to my son. I have to actually be willing to lose him. And if I do that, I can go, now, I don't want to lose my son. I love him with all of my heart. But I have to be willing to lose him because my happiness isn't dependent only upon holding on to my 18-year-old son. Even though he's highly, highly valuable, if I lost him, I would grieve. I would mourn. I would be depressed. I'd have to see a counselor. I would need help. And I would heal. There are people in this room who have lost loved ones like that. And it's broken their hearts. And world's been hell. And some days are good and some days are terrible. And we have to be willing to say, I enjoyed them while they're in my life and now they're out of my life and I will continue to adopt a new normal. And I will heal and I will grow and I will change. And I will let myself be changed by that. It's hard. But when you do that, when the bad times roll through and you have a good season, you enjoy those. And when the good seasons roll out and a bad time shows up, you learn how to endure so that it can build endurance. Nikki, you had a question. I'll throw it back there. Oh, it's gone now. I was just sending comments. Okay. comment? There you go. Oops. That's okay. Pick it up and use it. Went under the pew. That's okay. This is actually for the podcast so people can hear it. Okay. I was just going to say that I get so much of my endurance and my character that I have now from my accident, my accident, terrible car accident, traumatic brain injury, in a coma for about eight days or so, in the hospital and rehab for a long time, back home, well, I'm in Portland now, and I've gained so much endurance yeah. from that, yeah. and so much character. Well, I've pretty much been who I am still today, a pain in the rear, Thanks, Nikki. Any other last questions here, or else I want to allow for some time to hear, to catch up on people or those who want to try to grow in some way. Okay? There you go. Oh, bad throw. Good catch, Hannah. So at what point do you end the situation? Yeah. I was waiting for that question. Is there another question? Um, at what point do you end the situation? Sure, examples are great. Roommates. 
How do you know when to call it quits with roommates? <clears throat> what? You don't have a choice in it? Um, we always, I, I think, we, no, roommates are good. Roommates actually are, are really, really good. It goes back to the same kind of principles of have you done everything reasonable to be in relationship. Relationship always requires two human beings. If you have two human beings who are trying to operate in a healthy manner, then the relationship, the roommates, can work really, really good. If you have a person who does not, will not, cannot um, choose to live in a healthy, in a healthy way, um, then you start to look at your lease agreement and you simply go, um, I have three more months with this person. I know that this is not going to be pleasant. I am going to make the next three months be an opportunity for me to build endurance, to build character. I admit that I'm suffering. I admit that this is uncomfortable, and I don't like it. And on day, the last day of that lease, your pickup truck's loaded up, and you are looking, you've already looked for a new place, and you found a new place to live, and you... You give yourself permission to say, I've done everything, again, reasonable that is possible. And a roommate situation isn't a permanent situation. It's not something that you have made, uh, I would argue, a covenant with. So you can, you can leave. And again, you can leave earlier if you're willing to pay the fees for busting your lease. Just like you can get out of a cell phone contract. You write them the $250 track and you can get out of the contract. It costs you something and you can get out of it. You can quit a job that you don't like. That's not an immoral thing to do. Okay? You don't have to endure or suffer in those things. It's when you've made a commitment, when your word is on the line, when your integrity is on the line. Um, I would argue marriage has, has some different uh, contexts around some of this. That would be the more complex question to ask. So thanks actually for asking the roommate question and not the marriage question because that's harder. There are answers for that. There's actually very clear answers for it. Um, but they're not easy answers. But a roommate is an agreement. And if the agreement doesn't work, you simply say, thank you very much. We've worked this out, and now I'm out. And you move on. And you don't try to make it work, because it just doesn't work. Good question. All right, one last question, and then I'll throw one out there, and then whoever wants to talk can. Here it comes. Good catch. <laughs> it's about the roommate. Yeah, about the roommate. Is that okay? Yeah. Between the eyes. There you go, right there. Okay. Right here? Yep. Okay, so what if I live with Nikki and we live in a facility where we can't move on our own? We can't make up our own choices most of the time. So what about that? They pick us. They pick roommates out for us. Right. If we can't move, I mean, if I if I wanted to move tomorrow, I couldn't. Right. I have to be. I have to. I have to be approved by my doctors and all that. Move and all that. So what about that? 
Sometimes the system is slower or more complex, but there's usually a path out, and that's where the endurance comes in again of, okay, here's the goal I'm trying to accomplish. I have to take these difficult steps. It's not going to be easy, and I have to make decisions that are going to be wisest and best for me and healthiest and, and most mature. So you have, to, you have to work within the system, and sometimes the systems are broken. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of that, but there's some systems that just seem unfair or un are broken, and you still have to operate within them because we don't get to just say, stop the world, I want to get off. We have to use them. And they're not fair, and they're not right, and they're not good. But when we, when we allow ourselves to, to work within those, again, there's a greater perspective which says, this is difficult and this is hard, my happiness isn't going to be in my situation with my roommate, with my job, with whatever that is. My happiness I'm going to find going, how can you, God, let this difficult situation bring you glory? If you can get good at that, and again, that's not always easy, but if you can practice that when you get really, really good at that, it changes lots and lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Is that a question back there? That's okay. Here we go. Big catch. Oh, bad throw. Sorry. So I, I wanted to say something about um, the bringing hope into yes. it, more of a comment than anything. Okay. And I, I think that in my experience, um, there have been a lot of things that have been very hard that I've had to deal with. And... Um, there was a time when I was just grieving, yeah. just in, entirely grieving, and I didn't have a lot of hope or, or joy in that. And then as I was processing through that, I would have an experience yeah. where I experienced joy, and nothing about my circumstances had really changed. No. But I learned that I could have joy. Yeah. And that, I think, is what brings hope in those circumstances is that the, sort of the longer you're in it, the more you see that this doesn't have to define your, yes. you entirely and that there yes. is hope that, that there's something more yeah. to the circumstance. And I, I think just even experiencing it a little lets you taste that it's possible. Yeah. And then you can dive deeper and find more hope um, for your life and that God is there even though it's like super crappy. Yeah, yeah. It's strange, but in my experiences, when I've been through some of the hardest things in my life, when I get good at this, and again, I'm not by no means am I the model for this, but as I try to mature in my faith, um, the harder situations that I'm in, I find that my, my spiritual growth tends to uh, exponentially climb. And when I get back into comfortable times, it's like that, that spiritual growth, that connection with God actually diminishes in some way. And it's like I miss it. And I was surprised the very first time that happened to me. I got into the comfortable situation. I found that relief. And then it's like, huh, that 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 connection with God isn't quite as vibrant right now. I kind of miss it. I kind of almost miss that struggle because of that community, that connection with God. 
it was, it's weird. It took me by surprise the first time that happened. I think there are, again, believers in third world countries, believers who are under persecution, that, that we look at their stories and they're going, oh my gosh, how can you live on a day-to-day basis? And they're going, I am completely and totally satisfied and content right now because my hope isn't in the roof over my head or the government that I'm uh, living under or the creature comforts I have around me. I can walk a couple miles for water. I do know I have a relationship with God, and that becomes, again, vibrant in their life. It, it is humbling to hear those, hear those stories. Um, I just want to see the time here because the clock isn't working up there. 8.23, okay. Um, what to do when you can't find a guide and how to find a guide when you don't have the time. Those are the two questions I got. Those are big questions. Um, what to do when you can't find a guide. Um, you keep looking. You just recognize I've, I've, ex- I've ex- explored the surrounding potential around me. Though the person I'm looking for just isn't in proximity to me. I'm going to keep looking for that person. Again, it's that motorcycle story I told of as I ride around and I see other people who are riding the motorcycles, I stop and I go, hey, who tunes your bike? I have to keep asking and I have to keep asking. I have to keep looking. I have to keep being aware of and trying to find the person who has that who is going to know, with the belief, with the hope, with the faith that I will eventually find that guide. So it might not happen today, it might not happen tonight, but you eventually can find that guide. So that's a simple answer, but that's really the way it works. you got to keep looking. Um, you can actually ask people... Uh, is asking... Asking is hard, isn't it? Asking to to inconvenience someone that way? Hey, will you help me? We hate that question. I mean, I hate it with my whole heart. Man, will you help me? But if we don't ask it, we're never getting up that half pipe. We're never getting across the rings. We're never getting through the dangling electrical shocks or under the barbed wire. We have to ask for that help. We have to do it over and over and over again. I'm going to leave that question there, and I want to leave some time now. Uh, is there anyone in the room who would like to give us an update on uh, if you've already shared kind of what's been happening, what's been going on, or anyone else who says, I'd like to do something, and I'm looking for a guide. I want to try to get to a better place. Either one of those is fair game for tonight. Yes, ma'am. Debbie, isn't it? Debbie, come on up. Perfect. I forgot your dog's name. Emery, that's right. Debbie, come on over this way a little bit more, just a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer, and stop right there. Perfect. Let me get you a microphone. How old's Emery? Emery's ten and a half. Ten and a half. Here's a microphone for you right here. There you go. If I start crying, he might like come over and say, "What's wrong, Mom? Can I fix it?" That's okay. So He's paying attention right down here. Okay. I can see him. So, so for, I've been thinking about doing this for the last week. Yeah. And I'm crying a lot. Okay. And I was really torn between two things I wanted to bring up. Uh huh. And then after listening to your presentation, I realized they weren't what I should talk about. Okay. It's something else. Okay. Um, so um, a little bit about my story. Sure. I'm, I'm legally blind. 
and I have a genetic condition that causes me to lose my eyesight oh over man. the whole course of my life. Wow. Um, and there's a lot I could say about that, but what I, what I want to jump to is that when I first started using a white cane and became identifiable to other people as being blind, I started experiencing threats of violence and violence really? um, because uh, predatory people would see me as easy prey. Wow. Um, and yeah. <coughs> this culminated um, one year when my previous guide dog was attacked and mauled by another dog. Oh, man. And when I called the police to help me, the dude wouldn't help me. Really? He just said, this is a crime. It doesn't concern me. Um, and uh, walked away and left me with a, a dog that couldn't work and I was in a state of shock. When you called the other dog owner? When, when it, I... Is that who you called? I'm, I'm no, I called... A, a passerby called 911 for me. Oh, okay. And the police officer showed up and wouldn't help. Oh, And so I did wow. a lot of advocacy work for two years, tried to find an attorney. It couldn't change the police system. That's yeah. okay for them if you... You probably hear about how police can pretty much do whatever they want to do and they have discretion. Um, so I got, finally got mad enough. I decided to go to law school. Wow. And um, I, I graduated from law school at the age of 56. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And it was hell and horrible. Um, but what the one, one piece of this is that I don't have a nature that's confrontive. Yeah. Um, I'm not. Um, aggressive huh. or conniving, you know. and so I'm, I'm not really well suited to that job. Okay. Um, and um, so this is my work. Yeah. Is how <coughs> to how to get past my fear of confronting people when they're doing really bad things. This is what pays the bills for you right now. Well, no, it's not paying the bills because I went to take the bar exam oh. and they gave me the wrong test and then the, a, a big meanie guy came in and accused me and told me I was a fraud and that I would never be an attorney. This is all during the beginning of my exam. And uh, I was so upset and confused and scared that I, I didn't pass. Oh my goodness. Um, so I just, I dropped law. Okay. I got disillusioned. Okay. And what's happening over this is that 18 years ago, I got a Habitat for Humanity house. Okay. I'm not crying. This is pretty good. You're doing all right. Um, and um, that's just a block from here. Okay. And there's a lot of good things you hear about Habitat. They do a lot of good things. But what they did to me was they only finished half my house. Oh, no. So only one bedroom. So I have spent the last 18 years having to live alone. Really? And I haven't been able to afford to finish it. No. And I'm not able to pay the taxes. Oh, no. And now I'm going to be forced to pay for the sewer upgrades. Okay. Um, and uh, Habitat deceived me about <coughs> my contract and didn't give me the title. Um, and they did a lot, lots of really nice things. Okay. And, um, I can see why you've been shedding some tears over this. And so I'm at the point where I've got about four or five, four to six weeks to decide whether or not to sell the house. Wow. And um, I also have um, a spinal cord injury in my neck that 
limits my use of my hands, so I drop things a lot, and I also mm. have fibromyalgia. Okay. So I really need in-home care, and it, I can't afford it, and I don't get it from the state. And so I've really been struggling with, am I too disabled to survive? Okay. Um, and so I think, well, I could sell the house and then move to a third world country, you know, mm. where I could afford the help I need. And I feel like when you're talking, it's like that would be selling out. Mm. Um, that, that I deserve to have been told the yeah. truth about my contract yeah. and to not have been treated differently. Yeah. And um, I've got this narrow time and like I keep trying, what I really have to do probably is to go to the news mm. to write up my story, to first give them the chance to rectify Kay. the situation. And like every time I go to write, I'm a good writer, but yeah. every time I go to write, I have these anxiety attacks. Okay. I start having trouble breathing. Yeah. And um, this is the biggest entity that I've tried to take on. Wow. As this, you know, an international group. Sure. And I've got limited time mm -hmm. to do it, mm -hmm. and I have to find a way past my anxiety attacks when I go to present myself in the world, or I go to try to be of service. So, yeah. you know, I'm struggling to find a way that I can be of service to, through, you know, for God and for humanity. And I have these skills, and yet every time I go to do it, I just like freak out. So what what is it that you are wanting or needing from the group here? Is it, what can the guide do for you? Can they help you write that story? Can they make some calls for you or um, clarify language? I think it would be really great for me to come next week and tell you how far I am. Like if I had to report, like maybe I'd feel pressure. But do you want to do that by yourself still? Yeah, I'm always doing everything by myself. Yeah, there might be a theme there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but that's just my blind spot. This is where I don't know how to go past. I don't know how to, I mean, disability in general has been a lesson from God right. in asking for help. You know, it's hard when there's so many physical things you can't do. So again, there's, there's lots of options here. Do you want someone who can finish your house? Do you want someone who can get the title? Do you want someone who can write your story? Do you want someone who mm. can hear your story and edit it and you can be accountable to them because we have only one more week here and I'm imagining this might yeah. be more than a seven day process. Yeah. So you need someone who can walk with you a little bit longer than one yeah. more week. Um, well, I think that if I stayed, if I had a place to write that was quiet and no one else was around, I think I could get it done in 10 days. Okay. Um, Do you need a, a place that's quiet done. to write? Yeah, I need a place that's quiet to write. What, what kind of place is that for you? Like a library quiet or like uh, another house quiet or another a coffee shop quiet? Or room, or no coffee shop's not quiet enough. No. No people. Okay. Um, and also I could use, I need an electrician. You need an electrician so to I've do... So I've got the permits and I've done the framing, but I'm balked at not having an electrician. Got it. Who could, you know, I could pay for materials, but who would do labor. Who can wire up that other bedroom in your house? Yes. For 18 years you've been 
living your house is unfinished <laughs> wow that's a long time <laughs> just totally I just I'm willing to pay all kinds of prices to stop living alone I imagine I don't want to be a recluse because I was dealing with a lot of PTSD from the violence okay and so I've been working really hard for three years now yeah. to you, there's a lot yeah. of things there's a lot, a lot of, of things, things that are kind of stacked on top of each other Again, what do you think is your most pressing need that finish a guide here in the room to could finish what the writing of documenting what happened? There you go. Is the most important thing. Kay. I mean, I could think about all those other things feel more external. Okay. What I, the lesson I need to do is to figure out how to break past my fear. Got it. Got it. I think that's what God is giving me an opportunity to finally do. All right. Let's see, is there a, a guide in the room, someone who can be a guide, who can help proofread the story, and you want to document your story mm -hmm. together, okay? We've got a couple hands raised. I'm going to check in with them real fast and see what they can do here. Okay, you're going to be right, mm -hmm. okay, yeah. right there? Mm -hmm. Perfect. Um, I lost it. Here it is. Ooh. How can you help, Nikki? I was going to say. There you go. I know somebody who could help you with your electricity and stuff. If, I, if you would like his number, I could give you my dad's number to get the guy's number, or maybe okay. my dad could help you. Okay. Or there's a whole connection there, my whole family. All right, thank you, perfect. That's exactly what we like doing here. That's great. It, it needs to be somebody for insurance purposes, purposes that's bonded. Perfect, yep, you gotta make sure that we do things legally here. And I could definitely help in the writing department, perfect. and Wonderful. you're someone who's actually been on my heart, and oh. so. Look at that, your name again is? Debbie. Debbie. Oh, okay. And we, I came to church with you from reimagine one day when we sat yeah. in the front row. Yeah, I remember Perfect. that. So, <laughs> so Debbie, can you can you find Debbie? Yes. Afterwards, and yes. instead of making her try to find you, that would be great. And then we'll forget. I'm supposed to be writing my book, right? Yes, yes. We haven't <laughs> forgotten. We haven't forgotten. Very good. Is that is that would that be helpful for you, Debbie? Thank you. That would be good. Thank you. That'll be one step in this in this whole okay. process to see if we can get something moving along. Yeah. All right? Okay. All right. I'll take the Great. microphone from thank you there. Thank you so much. I know that was a lot to unload. <laughs> thank oh, you for listening. Thank you. Hold on. Here's your cane right there. Perfect. Someone else. Got a few minutes. Come on up, please. Here you go. Oh. Nope. There it is. Yep. Here I am. Um, well, I sort of don't feel eligible to come and talk about this. Why? <laughs> because I meant, well, I volunteers to share what I'd written on the worksheet like the first week, I think. Right. And so I'm sort of talking about the same thing, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Is Ladies and gentlemen, is she eligible? It's almost the end. She's eligible. Okay. It's almost the end, and 
I'm not even close to being whatever it was you wrote up there past this limiting belief. Okay. What do you think's getting in the way? Well, I kind of un I kind of related to what um, I don't know your name, but what she said about not really knowing what's in the way. Uh huh. Because I know I can write, and I know what my dream is, but um, like I just don't have anything to write anymore. It's not there anymore. Huh. So I don't know what to write. Where was it coming before? Where was the content coming from before? How come you were able to write before and you're not now? Do you know it's different? Um, I don't know. I just kind of, the same things are in my heart, I think. I, I feel like if I write about things, it's the same things I wrote before. And if you write about the same things over and over, what are people going to think? Nobody wants to read it. Why? Because it's boring. Huh. <laughs> Where do you think that belief came from? Or is that just a fact? It's probably a fact. But <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I don't know where there, I don't know where it came from. It's just what I think. Okay. I don't think anyone told me that. Besides myself. Do you want to write? What does writing do for you? Or do you want to take a break from writing? I have for a while. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. You want to keep taking a break or do you want to write again? Well, I think I want to. Okay. But I don't know what to write about. <laughs> what are you feeling right now besides frustration I with me? I feel... <laughs> Like, I shouldn't write because I don't have anything to write about. You shouldn't write? Right. Got right. it. I How will you not. know when something is right-worthy? What is right-worthy? Okay, the truth is, you just made me remember, that sometimes things do come into my mind to write about, but I don't actually take the time to write about them. How or, come? Or... I think I should write about them. And then when I sit down to write about them, I'm like, I don't really know what to write anymore about it. Got it. So it kind of came in and then went out. Mm -hmm. And you lost the moment. I guess, yeah. Okay. But it's not also just about writing. Well, what, what else is it about? You'll, okay. So, also, I have a website, and it's really frustrating because I hate computer stuff. Okay. And I don't know how to fix what I need fixed on it. Hmm. And my son totally knows how to do websites and stuff, but... But what? I don't know. He just never helps me, so I need someone else to help me. Got it. So, if someone could help fix your website, then... What would happen? You'd be more motivated to write? I think maybe. Okay. I think that's part of it. Got it. So we got just one concrete thing in the way of, let's get the website up and working again. Well, I'd like to believe that that's... Got it. ...something that's in the way, at least 
it's a part of it. We can find out and just see if we can get someone to fix the website and maybe get you to the next level of the website and then see if the floodgates open and you can start writing again. That might work. That's actually a pretty common um, experience where there's one minor um, thing in the way. Um, it's a very simple thing, but it blocks up the entire process, and it's actually wise to spend time and energy to get that one tiny little thing out of the way so that you can actually get more, um, more done. Uh, where is your, what's your website? Well, it's about gratitude, but it's terryclement.com. Okay. Um, what's it hosted on? What's the platform? I don't know. WordPress, oh. maybe? WordPress. Okay. <laughs> Does anyone here know WordPress and knows how to, got one little hand waving and doing jazz hands in the back there who can maybe navigate. We got one back there who knows how to do some WordPress stuff. Be willing to connect with those two and have them give them the username and password and they can see the nice thing about computers is you can just give them that two information that those two pieces of information and they can do it from home and they can poke around and see if there's been plugins that are out of date or if a theme oh yeah updating. that's something <laughs> that is one of those things plugins i yeah or if you get hit with a virus or if something's you know you got no, it still family. works but there's some things that I know need to happen, okay. or I want to have happen, but I don't know how to make it happen. Got it. Okay. So in the back, we have Chris, right? That's Chris. Chris, this is Terry. Terry, this is Chris. And then AJ in the back. AJ and Terry. Terry, that's AJ. You guys willing to talk and figure out what to do here and tag team and do all those kinds of things? Yep. That would be very, very nice. Perfect. Well done. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else interested in putting some? Sure, come on up. Very nice. Uh, your name is? Uh, my name is Darren. Darren. Yeah. Hi, Darren. I'm Paul. Hi. Um, so I've, uh, I've had a, I don't really know how to put this, but I kind of had a panic attack, anxiety attack. It was like two years ago. Had a, a succe successful company building tiny homes. We were growing fast. And I realized I, I hated my job. Mm. Um, it was... It had the part that was creative that I really enjoyed, um, but uh, it was just it was so, so stressful and managing people, managing crews, um, and so I literally um, stopped the company um, and and then um, it just kept we just kept getting inquiries and I kept feeling this emptiness of like. I should continue this because um, there was parts of it that I really enjoyed. So I'm, I've had this, I think this limiting belief that I'm just gonna, um, I'm always gonna make a mistake. I'm always gonna mess something up because on every tiny house I built there was something and usually it had to do with procrastination. Yeah. 
and kind of waiting and um, that's a common issue with contractors, by the way. Okay, <laughs> good to know. Um, but uh, so it was, I was sort of self-sabotaging and getting myself into these really yeah. stressful last few weeks of builds yeah. and um, not really handling myself well with employees. Mm. Um, and yeah, so, so this limiting belief uh, came from childhood, um, uh, not really having a dad growing up and not right. having someone that believed in me. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. So I've, I've, I've had this throughout all parts of my life, but it really came to the surface when I started my own company. I imagine. And I forced my way through it for five years and kind of hit, hit, uh, hit a wall. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, So what do I want to do? Yep, good um, question. I'd like to, one, one part of the business that I really enjoyed was, um, was creating. And uh, I, was, I was building tiny homes originally for pretty wealthy people. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a huge need out there um, for the homeless. Mm -hmm. uh, housing, uh, there's obviously a huge housing crisis. We've built a, I've built a few tiny homes for the homeless and really enjoyed that mm. and working with people um, that have never built before and not really, I don't have an end client in mind, it's just somebody that needs a roof. Mm -hmm. So one thing I'd really like to do is um, change my company into, I've considered a nonprofit um, going that route or um, doing a for-profit social kind of not just for profit. Yeah, because yeah. I'd like to hire people. I'd like to uh, uh, hire people that um, that are homeless, that want to learn a new, learn a trade. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of hurdles there that's overwhelming for me. Um, yeah. So I'm here. Like I've I've gathered some some of my friends that have the background in finance and the background in marketing because um, I did all that before with with our company by yourself by myself so I have gathered some guides okay um, but I guess I would like help in I've considered the Kickstarter kind of path yeah and so but I don't that just That's seems like a huge leap to me not sitting right to to kind of put myself out there that way it, are you needing money because the Kickstarter is to generate funds well, yeah, I mean, I can produce a product that people can like, I've always seen Kickstarters, you know, like you donate and then you get, you know, for us it'd be like tiny house plans or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, yeah, just how to navigate going forward, because I do have to pay myself a living wage. Sure. And I know what that is, I know how to do that, but at the same time, I'll be working, I'd like to be working with people that are previously homeless or, yeah. you know, would yeah. like to learn a skill. So yeah. there's some hurdles there. Um, so again, what are you looking for in a guide? Someone who can run a Kickstarter? Someone who is an entrepreneur who's done a not just for profit? Yeah. Who's been, ha has a philanthropic component to their 
profitable business? Yeah, I, I think someone that has um, is is in the creative realm working. Um, well, I think I need help in in navigating handling employees. Okay. Yeah, and people management skills. Pe people management skills, because yeah. I know that that this avenue would require uh, a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to even see we narrow it down real quick. So people mm -hmm. management skills, HR stuff, so payments, uh, paying them, um, setting up um, benefits packages, or is it making sure they show up to work on time and making sure that they yeah. do what you say? I think it's, I think uh, they won't be getting benefits packages. <laughs> okay, just. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, uh, yeah. But it would be, um, uh, yeah, just I, I see the, I've had, um, I don't want to like generalize here, but I've, I've had um, people that um, haven't held a job for a long time mm -hmm. work for us. Mm -hmm. And I've only had one person work out out of five of them. Wow. And so I see that as a huge hurdle for this sort of business venture. And yes. like I can't. I couldn't have 10 people show up and two of them actually work out. Right. There's just so much time investment. Right. So maybe interviewing. Okay. And, and interviewing skills. Yeah. yeah. How to hire the right people. Yep. That's the skill set that needs to happen. Yeah. More importantly, how to not hire the bad people. That's yeah. a harder skill. Yeah. Yeah. And, and these people weren't bad. They just, yeah, they just didn't not have a, fit. a work ethic. Not a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. And how to screen those folks out early on. Yeah. And how yeah. to too. So do kind of a Zappos thing. You know what Zappos does? Zappos is the online shoe company. You know what they do for their employees? You ever heard of that story? They, they you, you go through the interview process. They, they do, um, I think, two weeks of training. And then they offer you, I think, four or $6,000 to quit. Right there. Okay. Because they know... If you take the four grand, you're looking at it for just for money, right. and they don't want you to be there. They don't want to waste time training you and everything else beyond that. So if you say, no, I'm going to work longer, and I know that I can have greater benefits long if I work longer than four right. grand, yeah. it's, a, it's a way to get out of it. So again, that's yeah. just there's lots of fun techniques around some of that. So about people, mm -hmm. how to hire people, how to find good people, and more about you, how to have a, have a good screening process for people that you're going to be bringing on to continue working with your tiny house company. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Anyone have skills around um, hiring and people management skills early on? Yes? Give us your name. Bill. Bill. Cool. Bill, this is Darren. Darren, this is Bill. So you know the population. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Great. S sounds.
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh, cool. It's a be beginning conversation Sweet. on how to, again, hiring practices, how to get the right people on the bus mm -hmm. and keep the wrong people off the bus. Yeah. It's a Jim Collins um, phrase from mm -hmm. good to great. If you want a fun book to read around some of that. Okay. So, um, Bill, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. We'll let you guys talk afterwards. Sweet. Darren, thank you very much. Thank you. Very nice, very nice. We're going to wrap it up right there. We're done with our time. <laughs> Got other people chomping at the bit, but we are we're out of time. So next week's the last week to, to get it done. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information, please visit allelmore.com.